Welcome to Feeling It, a podcast where we discuss TV, movies, pop culture, and whether or not we are feeling it. If this is your first time joining us, welcome to the show. And here we go. Come on, walk and talk. Alright, here we go. You guys want to hear something neat? It's showtime! Hold your ears, folks. Here we go! See what you can do now. Take your position. Alright, ladies, buckle up. Let's do this. Hold on to your butts. Seriously? Listen to me very, very carefully. Hey, it's me again. Eat him up. Enjoy. Welcome, everyone. <laughs> In addition to talking about what we're feeling this week, we are going to be chatting about the biggest show on television, Game of Thrones, which just aired its seventh season finale on Sunday. But before we get into all that, let's introduce ourselves and ask the question, what is your favorite water cooler show? I'm Sandra Amstutz. I'm a social media manager in Nashville, Tennessee. And the show that I'm talking about with my coworkers, which is what I'm going to define water cooler show as. Yes. Um. I talk about this show every week as soon as the episodes air is any of the Bachelor shows, whichever one is currently airing. Um, I have a coworker. We watch all the Bachelor shows obsessively, and then we rehash everything that happened as soon as we get to work the next day. Nice. Uh, I am Lucas Ryder, designer in the Bay Area, and we surprisingly do not talk about the Bachelor shows. <laughs> we, uh, but I would say my favorite water cooler show is or was i guess or is it's still going i guess but stranger things when that came out i think that was the show that got talked about the most at work everyone saw it everyone wanted to talk about it and i'm excited to see what happens with the second season if that that continues to follow yeah absolutely well every week we like to talk about something that we're feeling this week so something that um we've either discovered or rediscovered throughout the week um whether that be tv movies music anything. So Sandra, what are you feeling this week? This week I'm feeling a new indie film that um, had its opening weekend at my indie theater, The Bell Court. It's called Columbus. It stars John Cho and it's the directorial debut of a director named Kogonada. Um, Just one one word. Just one word, Kogonada. Um, didn't really hear any buzz about this movie, but I did see the trailer at the Bell Court for when I was there seeing a different movie, and I was very intrigued by it because, you know me, Lucas, I love John Cho. I'm always <laughs> casting him in things in my mind. I just all around love him. Um, and the trailer for this movie is really beautiful. Um, the basic plot of it is John Cho plays a Korean-American man who... Uh, has to visit the city of Columbus, Indiana, to take care of his um, a very ill father. And wait, Columbus, Indiana, or Ohio? Indiana. Oh, yes. Oh, okay. And <laughs> while he's there, he meets um, a young girl that kind of shows him all of the stunning architecture that just happens to be in Columbus, Indiana. One thing you learn from the movie, and now that I've learned more since watching it, is that. Um, Columbus, Indiana is this really small town that just happens to be home to some of like the most beautiful architecture in the com- in the country. Um, and it's the movie is very like slow paced and soft. And it's just the two of them kind of walking around this small town and looking at beautiful buildings and talking. Um, I described it to a friend the other day as kind of a mix between a Linklater film and a Jim Jarmusch film. Uh, yeah, I I had a wonderful time with this movie. Like I said, it's very slow. The plot is very sparse. But what it m- lacks in 
plot, it makes up for in some of like the most beautiful visuals I've ever seen on film. And it's that's partially because the director is incredibly talented and the cinematographer is incredibly talented, but it's also very much because the city of Columbus, Indiana is so strikingly beautiful. It's really hard to describe. I really hope that a lot of people go see this film in theaters because it is definitely worth seeing on a beautiful big screen. Um, I had a wonderful time with it. I was very moved by it. Uh, I have been doing all sorts of research on so many different aspects of this film today. First of all, like I said, the director, his name is Koganada, and this is his directorial debut. Um, he is... He was born in Korea, um, but I've heard that he's from Nashville, quote-unquote. So I don't know at what point in his life he's lived in Nashville, if that mm -hmm. was, like, in his adult life, in his childhood. I'm not quite sure, but he's definitely very familiar uh, to Nashville. Um, and he used a lot of Nashville people making this film. Um, the music throughout this film is um, produced by a band named Hammock that is a Nashville band. Uh I've been listening to this music nonstop since the moment I saw this film. It is so amazing, and it's one of the things that makes this film so impressive. Uh, I highly recommend also just checking out Hammock and their music on YouTube and Spotify. Uh, but like I said, I, I've this film has given me so much to learn about. This director, I think, is fascinating, and I can't wait to see more from him. Um, before this, he's been known for doing... A bunch of very popular video essays. Lucas, I think you've probably seen some of them. He did one on Linklater and the concept yep. of time. He did one about Wes Anderson and the and the concept of symmetry. Uh, so he's he does those for sight and sound, and he's well known for those. Yeah. Um, like I said, I this music this movie made me look up the music of Hammock. This movie has made me look up the city of Columbus, Indiana, and its architecture. Yeah. Um, I'm even considering driving to Indiana this weekend for Labor Day weekend and just spending some oh, time nice. with like these buildings. I'm really, this movie is that charming wow. and magnetic that I'm like, yeah, I want to go see this city right away. It, it The movie looks beautiful. It looks super charming. Um, I'm really glad that you liked it. I'm, <laughs> um, this has been something that I'm, I've been excited to, to hear if it's actually good or not. Um, and the fact that you would drive to Columbus Ohio, not Ohio, Columbus, Indiana, Correct. just to see, kind of be in that world and everything like that says, uh, says a lot for the movie. So. Yeah. I mean, as we are talking, I literally just got my confirmation from my Airbnb. So I'm definitely going there this go. weekend. There um, you go. Yeah. It's, it's, it was so moving and I'm absolutely planning on seeing it again before I drive to Indiana this weekend. Um, nice. it's a movie that like is definitely worth a repeat viewing. Um, again, just mostly because it's so beautiful. A lot of it's, I don't think I've been this like moved and stunned by like some of the visuals of a film, especially one of the things that this film does so specifically well, um, because they're filming lots of architecture is there's so many moments in this film, um, that are just shots of buildings for a long time, you know, longer than we're used to sitting with one shot mm -hmm. in a film. There's also lots of like incredibly slow moving shots or still shots of interiors of rooms. And again, that's another thing is just 
so very rarely do I get to be in a film and really have a sense of the place that this film is taking place in. You know, seeing all the details in a room, every little piece on a table or where the chairs are arranged. This movie thinks that architecture and interior design affect us in strong emotional ways. And it tries to show that via the art of film affecting us in strong emotional ways. Um, Yeah. Yeah. The last film that I think made me feel this way was The Handmaiden, which was another made by another Korean director. Um, So I just this again, when I watched The Handmaiden, I felt like this sense of place and attention to detail. Um, I I'm really excited to see more from this director. Um, I like I said, he he has some amazing things ahead of ahead of him. Yeah. Now, IMDb does not have a writer listed for Columbus. Uh, did he, he write this? He or did is write this? this. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I he, figured. I figured he wrote it, but and the writing is beautiful. Um, yeah. Like I said, it's pretty sparse as far as story goes, but mm-hmm. the basic of the 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 basis of the story is that these two characters meet and they walk and they talk about themselves and their families, their thoughts on art and architecture and spirituality. Um, and it's like, in that way, it reminds me a lot of a Linklater film. Um, and it's just so quiet and, um, thoughtful. I loved this movie. That's awesome. That's really cool. I, it is on my list. <laughs> yeah. I will be seeing it yeah. for sure. Uh, the Nashville scene has a really in-depth piece about this film. Um, the, one of the lines in the, in the piece says, the goal here is to help Columbus find its audience, which on paper includes design buffs, independent film aficionados, and architecture nerds. So I would love a ton of people to see it, but if you fall under one of those categories, you have to go see this movie. Um, yeah. So find it showing as close to you as possible will do all right well for me this week i saw a hilarious musical called something rotten sandra have you heard about something rotten the name sounds familiar but i can't tell you anything about it it was a broadway musical that came out in 2015 so a year before the hamilton explosion um and it is about a playwright in the 1500s who is extremely upset that Shakespeare is the talk of the town. And it's about his plot to come up with the next big thing in show business, which is turns out to be musicals. Um, so it's basically about the invention of musicals. But it's all hilarious and all completely just ridiculous and has tons and tons of callbacks. I guess they're not callbacks, but they're call forwards i don't know it's the 1500s <laughs> to other musicals that that we know like rent and sound of music and um lemis um but yeah it's it has got everything in it it is hilarious there are so many so many funny little jokes that it's one of those plays that like i would want to see like eight times to catch every joke that's in it but so well done. Everybody's hilarious. So if it does come to a theater near you, I would definitely recommend watching it. Sadly, it is not one of the musicals that I would recommend listening to on Spotify or Apple Music or anything like that. Gotcha. Um, just because it does not tell you the story in the music at all. Um, but 
lyrically, it is genius. It is so funny. Well, I will keep my eye out for that, Lucas. You know I love a good musical. Yep. All right. Well, I keep wanting to throw to Lawson, but we are, <laughs> we are, it's just us this week. So let us move on to our main topic, Game of Thrones. Now, Sandra, you have never watched a single episode of Game of Thrones ever, correct? No, I I, I would I would clarify that to say I've never watched a full episode of Game of Thrones. Um, okay. A long time ago, I was like, Game of Thrones is a real popular show. Maybe I'll start it. And I started the very first episode and then was like, nope, 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 nope. <laughs> <laughs> so and I probably watched maybe 10 or 15 minutes of it. Okay. Okay. So what is it what is it like being one of the 10 people who are not watching Game of Thrones right now? <laughs> um it's actually quite fun because I even though I don't watch the show and the reason I don't watch it is mostly because I think it's a little too violent for my taste. Um the even though I don't watch it, I think it's so fun to keep up with via blogs or podcasts or people on Twitter, Tumblr, um funny recap videos so uh or or just reading wikipedia entries you know (laughs) um so i have a lot of fun kind of like trying to piece together what's happening on a show that i do not watch yeah that makes that's it's it's very weird that (laughs) (laughs) that like i i i I can i totally hear about people doing that kind of thing for game of thrones but it's something that i wouldn't i wouldn't see happening for any other show on television somebody actually you know trying to actively kind of keep up with the culture and the plot of a show that they are actively choosing not to watch. Well, I would say that I haven't been actively keeping up with it the entire time Game of Thrones has been running. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I think only in the past, like, season or two have I been, like, kind of interested in what's going on over there on that HBO show that everybody loves. (laughs) Um, So it's been sort of like a catch-up as well. But... Like I said, the show seems too violent for me, so I've never gotten into it. Mm-hmm. And It is extremely violent. Yeah. And now at this point, it's uh, even if I could handle the violence, it's a major task to catch up um, and get into it. But there are so many things about the show that do appeal to me that keep me interested in them. Um, interesting female characters is what I've heard it has. Um, so that <laughs> appeals to me. I care about keeping up with those characters and um, specifically Uh, it has sprawling family trees that I love like tracking (laughs) who, who is married to who and who's whose kid and who betrayed who and who killed who. I love like (laughs) the organizational aspect of that. I think that's really fun and interesting to keep up with. Um, And a little magic never hurt, you know, magic's always fun. (laughs) Oh, you know the other reason why I never really got into it, Lucas? Why? It's the same reason I can never really get into Lord of the Rings. I knew you were going to say that. I knew you were going to say that. Yeah, medieval speak really drives (laughs) me crazy. And And I wasn't sure how much of this show had that kind of, like, language to it. Yeah. Yeah, it's a lot. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't know. I, I think I could get into it. It's just definitely off-putting. Yeah, it takes it definitely takes some getting used to. Have you? So you've never watched any medieval shows at all, 
or movies. Oh, I'm guessing you've I seen mean, some movies, but I, for I the most part. I probably have seen some movies, but never any shows. Like I said, I haven't seen any of the Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, no, I don't think I have. You steer clear of middle medieval things in general. Despite my aversion to a lot of medieval stuff, I do find, I am kind of interested in like the legend of King Arthur. Um, mm, that is like. Very medieval. Yeah, that's like my one exception. Okay. Um, King Arthur stuff I think is interesting. There's a great like straight to TV movie that Kira Knightley starred in. Um, Ooh, that, that sounds rough. Was really fun that I enjoyed <laughs> as a kid. She like play, pretends to be a guy. It's like really great. Um, so things like that can sometimes grab my interest, but as a general rule, I avoid them. Got it. Well, I got into Game of Thrones right after the f- the first season finished. Um, my wife got sick, and we watched the entire season basically in just one day. And then I decided to read the books. So I read all of the books in between the first and second season, all five books. Um, there's there's a planned there's a plan out there for seven books um, from George R. R. Martin, the writer. Um, and so I was like, okay, I read the first five. He'll definitely finish the sixth one before <laughs> the show catches up to it. And here we are, seven years later with still no sixth book. So I have seen all the sh- all the sh- all of the show. I've seen all of the show and read all of the books. And today we're going to answer all of Sandra's questions about Game of Thrones. <laughs> so if you have not seen Game of Thrones, we are going to pretty much be spoiling everything up to the season finale last night. In- I guess including the season finale from Sunday night. So Sandra, what? <laughs> What do you want to know? <laughs> well, I think before I have questions about, like, characters and, and where the plot has gone, um, I want to ask you just how you feel after this season finale and how you feel about the season as a whole. Overall, I one of my favorite parts about Game of Thrones, and I've talked about this before, is just the world building, the walking and talking, and basically the everything you loved about Columbus, that's the stuff that I love about Game of Thrones. Okay. Just people walking around having conversations about the world that they live in um, and just strong characters and character development. Um, Every once in a while, a a battle is fun, a dragon's cool, some magic stuff, throw that in. But that's never what the show was actually about. Um, And that is just kind of some extra seasoning. So I feel like as they kind of go towards wrapping up this show, the showrunners um, have kind of leaned heavy, more heavily on the fantasy elements of it. More magic, more battles, more, I guess, ta-da moments. Um, which, I, they're still great. I love them, but that's not why I ended up watching this show. And in the beginning, you don't find out that there's actually magic in the world until the end of the first season. And it's just little things. And so having, you know, ice zombies and, you know, dragons and a magical wall and like that kind of stuff is very fun. But it's very different from the reason that I watched the show. So I would say this season finale was good, but it uh, it still leaves me wanting a little bit more. Okay. Um, how did this season of the show, I guess, like, compare to other seasons of the show? Again, because like I said, I kind of pick up on how things are going via headlines mm-hmm. and people talking on podcasts. One thing that I've heard is that this show had a lot less 
major deaths and a lot less sex. Um, is that accurate? How did you feel about that? That is accurate. Um, again, the first really four seasons were truly based off of the books. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the fifth season, for the most part, did a, some of the, a, you know, a little bit of the books, but then also getting a little off off plot and just kind of uh, treading new ground. And by now, we are just completely going toward the goal. So the showrunners have basically the end game from George R. R. Martin. So they know where the show's ending, but they basically they have the freedom in between to kind of do whatever they want and still get there at the end. So I do, you do feel a kind of a twist of we're not going to kill the characters that you love anymore (laughs) and which they used to do all the time, you know, all the time. Um, And we're also not going to waste time on sex position or anything like that. There, I I feel like I wouldn't call that a waste of time, but to each though, (laughs) (laughs) I think, I think for them, they just have so much that they want to do before the season ends that they kind of have to pack it all in and they have to be very strategic about if people are going to have conversations where those conversations are happening and what else is kind of going on around them. Mm -hmm. So they, they definitely can't um, use that time for, for sex scenes. (laughs) Was this a shorter season than normal? It was a shorter season than normal. It's following the HBO tradition. It's 10 hour long episode seasons. Um, This season, season seven, was seven hour-long episode seasons with two of the episodes being one episode being 72 minutes i think and the other being an hour and a half and the plan is for the final season to be six an hour and a half long episodes Ooh, wow yeah so we'll see if that actually turns out but that's kind of what's been rumored have they start have they started shooting the final season i don't think so okay i don't think so i think they still have a little bit of time left okay all right, so here's some character questions. Okay. Who's your favorite character and why? Because there's so many to choose from. There are so many to choose from. There were more, but <laughs> <laughs> who's my favorite character still alive? Let's, uh, let's start with that. <laughs> okay, because it honestly, it changes all the time because of, again, the speed of this show is going, the decisions that everybody makes are insane. So I would say right now, at the end of the season seven. At the, at the end of season seven, um, my favorite character has probably got to be Arya. She's insane. She's probably the most hardcore person on this show. She has killed the most people, which is ridiculous for what's I think she's supposed to be like a 16 or 17-year-old girl. But she's crazy. She's out of control. But you can't help but love her. Okay. Um. My understanding of Game of Thrones is that it's a bunch of different families and people seeking power. And there's one throne, like one kingdom that they're all trying to gain access to. Correct. The ruler of this one large kingdom, correct? Yes. And I always assume the end of the show, um, end of the final season, there's going to be one person sitting on the throne. And, like, that's the winner. That's what would happen in a normal show, yes. Um, In Game of Thrones, again, 
going from the books, George R. R. Martin has specifically said that what he kind of wants is, and what he didn't like about Lord of the Rings is, is that that's how the stories kind of end is somebody is on the throne and that's it. But he's more interested in what happens after that. Like what kind of tax plans do you have? How do you deal with, you know, any members of, you know, the other families who are still around, like just the mundane parts of ruling like do you do the people love you do you know how does that how does it work to be a usurper Mm -hmm. that kind of stuff is the stuff that he's interested in so i think the books will go past that and kind of go into whoever i guess technically wins it will go more into their rule and what's it like to kind of continue that that direction i feel like the show doesn't want to do that at all okay i feel like they want to do a more traditional the end of the last episode is whoever wins wins and sits down on the iron throne and that's the end right um because this is the game of thrones and that's how you win right so i think that that's where the books in the show will diverge okay so think assuming that the show does have a final winner at the end Mm -hmm. um who do you want that to be and why yeah i want it to be jamie i think jamie would be great um because he doesn't want jamie lannister jamie lannister Brother of Cersei Lannister, who is now currently um, on sitting, the throne, currently sitting on the Iron Throne. Okay. Uh, Jamie is the King's Guard. He is well, as of last night or as of Sunday night, he is no longer the King's Guard. He has run away and disappeared. Is it still called the King's Guard if Cersei's on the throne? Technically, yes. I think. I don't know. Maybe Sexist. the Queen's Guard. <laughs> <laughs> um, but he, yeah, I like. I think he is. A wonderful character. I think he would be the best person to rule because he has a love of the people and he can sacrifice. He'd be great. Okay. How many characters have sat on the Iron Throne since the beginning of this show? And who are they? Literally sat on the Iron Throne or, like or been, been king? The, been the king or queen? Yes. Yes. So... There's this show kind of delves into history a little bit, but so you from you episode to, one from episode one we have Robert Baratheon okay. sitting on the throne, which is Cersei's um, husband, correct? Which, which was Cersei's husband, okay. exactly. Right. Um, when he died, his son Joffrey took over. Right. When he died, his brother Tommen took over. Okay. And when he died. Cersei took over. Okay. So really, really, we've just sat with that family. Yeah. And that is it. But there has been so much, because people just kind of declare themselves king all the time in this show. And so everyone is a king and has their own kind of system of ruling and their own land and everything like that. But in on the actual throne where everyone is trying to get the Baratheon family slash Lannisters with Cersei has kind of taken over that. Okay, so was Joff- Joffrey and what was the other boy's name? Tommen. Tommen. None of them are actually Robert Baratheon's kid. They're actually Cersei and Jamie's kid. Right, but was their last name technically Baratheon because everyone thought they were his kids? Exactly. Okay. And, but, and at this point, she's kind of completely given up the whole Baratheon thing. Everybody knows she's sleeping with her brother. She says she's a Lannister. Yeah. Basically, the Lannisters rule now. Right. So, did the kids ever know that Jamie was their father? No. Okay. Never. And yep. all of the kids are dead. All the kids are dead. There's a third kid who was the daughter Marcellus, um, who was also murdered. She never got to sit on the okay. throne. Now, currently, Cersei is pregnant right now, right? C- 
correct. Okay. So one thing that I recently learned about that I was like, oh, this is intriguing. If I had heard about this stuff, this would have gotten me into the show a lot quicker, <laughs> was this prophecy about her. Yes. I'm all about prophecies. Um, <laughs> so tell me about this prophecy and what that means for season eight. Okay. When Cersei was a child, she was engaged to what was then the prince, um, a Targaryen. And she went to a soothsayer to get her prophecy. And she asked, will I marry the prince? And the soothsayer said, no, you will not marry the prince. You will marry the king. And you will have three children. Gold will be their crowns and gold will be their shrouds. So she didn't marry the prince because the prince got usurped. She married the king. She had three children. And they all died. And they so were all blonde. They were all blonde. Yeah, so they were all blonde. And they all died and were we're buried. So the blonde so the is, fact that, that, is she, that the gold will be their crown part? Yes, gold will be their crown and what's blonde hair. shroud. And their shroud is kind of their burial. So they'll be they'll have a royal burial. Okay. Basically. Got it. Um so this fourth child slash pregnancy, whatever's going on here, doesn't necessarily go against the prophecy. It just starts to make me think that she will actually not have this kid. Right. Okay. Wasn't there another part of the prophecy about her dying? Oh, yeah. I f completely forgot about that. Okay. So this part is not in the show. It's just in the books. So this part has not come up. Really? It's not in the show at all? It's not in the show at all. So, yeah. So, but in the, in the, the other part of the prophecy is that basically, I forget the wording, but mutually assured destruction between her and her brother. Um, her younger brother. Her younger brother, which technically both of her brothers are younger. Right. Because <laughs> um, she is the older of the twins. So... Knowing whether it's Jamie or whether it's Tyrion, who they'll probably end up killing each other. I'm kind of hoping it's I'm kind of hoping it's Tyrion because I want Jamie to rule the world, but <laughs> it'll probably be Jamie. You want Jamie? You, you? I want Tyrion to kill Cersei. Okay. So how does the show? When the show starts, um, Cersei is queen and her husband is king. Correct. Mm -hmm. Yep. And she already has the kids? She already has the kids. Okay. Yep. So does the show give us any backstory about how her and Jamie started hooking up? We get nothing there. Okay. They are, they're hooking up in the first episode, and we get nothing to know when that started or why or anything at all. Okay. But it's it, just taken as gospel that and that's what happened. mostly a secret at the beginning. It is completely a secret. Um Part of how the whole war starts is that somebody finds out mm. that that uh, that the kids are not Robert Baratheon's kids. Is that and someone Littlefinger? That someone is not Littlefinger. Okay. That someone is John Arend, who was Hand of the King at the time. Okay. And got himself killed. Gotcha. So. Okay. <laughs> well, that brings me on to, from afar, my favorite character, yes. Littlefinger. Yes. How do you feel about this character? Oh, this character. Um, <laughs> he's great. Actor's great. Or he was. He was great. I mean, the actor still is great. The actor still is great. The character was great. Um, I am... He He's very smart. He did not... Again, with the speed that they're moving, they did not play him up to be as smart as he actually is in the last couple seasons. Mm -hmm. I don't feel like they had a lot to do with him. Yeah. Um, but early on in the show, he was literally the best part of it. He was amazing. The smartest character around. And he just got himself killed. Yeah. So, so I, I saw that he just got himself killed. And I was pretty bummed about that. Because, yeah. again, from watching from afar, my favorite 
like dynamic on the show was between him and Sansa. Um, I loved like the kind of like mentor mentee slash kind of creepy romance that was possibly brewing. Mm -hmm. Um, and I just thought that they had a really great chemistry with each other. Um, so I was very sad to see that like that ended with him dying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what did he do to deserve that death? And what made Sansa ultimately like finally like cut ties with him? Yeah, he uh, he start again, started the war by inciting the murder of John Arendt. Um, he was the one who betrayed their father, Ned Stark, mm-hmm. um, at the beginning. Um, he killed their aunt. He But Sansa knew that he killed their aunt. True, true, true. Like that wasn't um, the final straw or anything. It was not the final straw, and the aunt was crazy as well. Um, but what it came down to was that he was pitting sister against sister, Arya versus Sansa, and the fact that he wanted Sansa to get rid of Arya because Arya was a threat to him. Okay. And that was kind of the final straw. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Sansa never liked him. Also, he gave. You don't think I Sansa think, liked him? Oh no, Sansa. Sansa did not like him since he gave her a way to be raped. So okay. that was a whole thing. Yeah. 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 He. She has never liked him, but she has listened to his advice because he has good advice. Mm, interesting. But she's hated. She's hated him for years. Okay. I don't know if I buy that, but okay. <laughs> um. All right. Great. Um. Okay. So let's move on to some Targaryen business. Yes. Okay. So I keep hearing about how the Targaryens used to be on the throne. And then yes. this Baranthian guy was on the throne. How did that happen? <laughs> uh, yes. So here's the story. Aegon Targaryen was king. He was the, he's kind of the patriarch of this whole thing. He made the iron throne okay. out of the swords of his enemies. Okay. Um, he had a son and that son left well supposedly left his wife kidnapped ned stark's sister robert baratheon's fiance took her off raped her and killed her and that's what started um the war before this whole show started the war that made um robert baratheon king robert baratheon and a bunch of people went and killed him killed the king aegon targaryen okay and basically started anew got it so those were the targaryens okay now the his he had a he also had a daughter who was whisked off to another continent and that is daenerys um so this whole show she has been not been in westeros but kind of hearing about her history and kind of what it is and blah 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 and coming back to claim the iron throne on the other side we have what we talked about earlier his son who left his wife and raped um ned stark's sister turns out he got his his he got his marriage annulled and remarried ned stark's sister because they were in love they had a kid and she died in childbirth and ned took that kid to take care of and that turns out to be Jon snow so we now have two targaryens okay we're now in love boning boning aunt and nephew right i do love i think it is fascinating how this show has made a lot of people pretty just generally okay with incest. <laughs> it is very weird that that is like 
everybody's cool with that now yeah. <laughs> in the context of this show. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody thinks it's weird. <laughs> <laughs> okay. They've been they've been getting you ready for it since the beginning, and now here we are. <laughs> right, right. Um all right. So how do you feel about Jon Snow and Daenerys? I don't know. They're they're whatever. I think they're two of the worst actors on the show. Mm. Um character wise, they're fine. Um I I I, I don't think I, I feel like people are playing it up like, oh, once they find out that they're aunt and nephew, it's going to be weird. But I mean, it's Game of Thrones. It's not going to be that weird. Yeah, no it's going to care. That, like, if the audience doesn't care, the characters aren't going to care that much. Um, so I do think it'll it'll work out. They'll get married. They'll probably sit on the Iron Throne. I'm hoping for some sub- subversion there. Yeah. To put it in kind of Harry Potter terms, they both seem like kind of boring Gryffindors. Very much so. Okay. Very much so. Yeah. Um. Okay, let's talk about magic, Lucas. Oh, great. <laughs> Which characters have magical powers? That is the part the show has been terrible about. We don't know. The, the thing is, when you introduce magic into a show or any kind of story, you have to set up the rules for magic. Um, otherwise, it doesn't really make a lot of sense, and you get a lot of deus ex machina moments. Um, and that's what Game of Thrones has been bad about, is f- letting us know what are the rules. What can happen, what can't happen, why stuff happens. So the show started out in season one with no magic. At the end of the first season, these dragons come out. So we're like, oh, all right, so this is a show with dragons do in they, it. Still re- this is really no magic. a dumb question, okay? Yes. Does, do they come out of Daenerys's body? Does she literally give oh, birth to them? No, 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 no. She calls them her children, <laughs> but they hatch from eggs that she has. Um, but the like, eggs didn't come like, from her body either. No, 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 no. She was gifted basically stone eggs, what she thought okay. was stone eggs. This whole and... time, I truly thought she gave birth to them. Let's just be clear about that. <laughs> I thought that she it... gave or gave birth to these eggs and that like they literally came from her body. Okay, good to know. I'm I'm laughing at that, but that's not the weirdest thing that someone has given birth to on this show. Okay, great. Um, so, <laughs> yes, she was get, she was gifted what were thought stone eggs. She, her husband died, so she burnt them on a pyre with herself. She did not burn, and the eggs hatched into dragons. Okay, so. And that's the first time we see magic. That's another thing I've seen before is that, like, she doesn't burn. Why doesn't she burn? That's where we don't get any rules. We have no idea. Um, We don't know if it's because she's a Targaryen, because apparently Targaryens are dragons, and dragons can't be burned, is what she said. But her brother. Burned. Burned. Um, John has burnt his hand bef- in the first season. Um, that was a big thing that happened. So it's not that like Targaryens can't be burnt. Um, we don't really know what's special about her. So that okay. hasn't really been established, okay. but it is, it has been established that she cannot be burned. Got it. Fire does not hurt her at all. So she can set a building on fire and be like, too bad yep. for all you bitches. Exactly. Got which it. she has done. Right. In the I show. think I've seen that before. Yeah. She's locked herself in a building with a bunch of people and just set the whole thing on fire. That's a badass move. So, if I if it that is. is a move you have in your playbook, like yes. pull it out yes. whenever possible. Question yeah. though, so if she can just if she doesn't burn, why does she just burn up all those Lannisters? Like what <laughs> I just that, think it's like such a power move. It is such a power move. And and I think that's what's hurt these final seasons of like, she can't be stopped at this point. And it's very difficult to continue a story with someone who can't be stopped. So they're having to come up with ways to kind of pause her momentum and stuff like that, which is difficult. Okay. 
All right, so what else, What other magic is there? Okay, so there's also a, I would call it a religious cult, maybe, um, which is very much about magic and also fire. <laughs> um, but there are these red priests who can, one, bring people back from the dead, two, um, set things on fire. There's a whole thing about a sword that's on fire, so they can, they set their swords on fire, which we're not really sure how or what it does or anything like that, but that happens. Um, and one of the red priestess gave birth to a, this sounds crazy saying out loud, to a smoke monster, which was sent out to kill somebody. Who did so, it kill? Uh, it killed the king. Uh, well, one of the many kings. Uh, Renly Baratheon, who was John, not John. Robert Baratheon's brother. Who, oh, so this was a while ago. This was season two. Wait a minute. Yes. So when the Robert Baratheon, season one, who is the king? Robert Baratheon. And he dies in the middle of season one. And then like 10 different people say, all right, I'm the king now. Okay. Um, how big is this smoke monster when she gave birth to it? It's like a human size. Well, it started out as a baby, but okay. in the next like 10 minutes, it got to be like a full size adult. And this is the red woman who is actually an old lady. Yeah. Yep. Right. Yep, because that's the other thing. She's also super old, but she wears a necklace that makes her look young. This show sounds insane trying to explain it out loud. I know, but I'm fully <laughs> on board. Um, Good. Okay, so other magic that I've heard of. Yes. Arya. Yes. Tell me about this yes. face thing. It's super weird, and again, we have no rules, but she learned from a whole sect of people how to put on people's faces and... She, she takes on their voice and appearance and everything She's like, like that. She's like Mystique. She's exactly like Mystique. Again, we still have no knowledge of how it works or what the rules are or why. Does but it, she can do that. Does it so seem like she can I, do it whenever she wants? She has to have their face. So she has a bag full of faces, which that's a weird thing. Like a literal um, bag? A literal bag with literal faces How do in they it. not that's, like decay? I, again, magic. And no where does, does she always have this bag with her at all times? Most of the time, yeah. <laughs> it's weird. But, and does she which have to is, put the face on, or does she just have to have it in her possession? No, she has to put it on. She literally puts the face on. It's like Mission Impossible oh, type situation. But we've never actually seen her put one off, or put one on. We've just seen her like pull it off at the end. That's but it's crazy. like, ha it's me, Arya. <laughs> huh. So you get a lot of that. So there's a lot of anybody could be Arya at any time type weirdness okay so technically she kind of has to have that person has to be dead right for her to have their Take, face yes because she takes her face she takes that person's face okay so, got it yes. so she can't just so, so she can't impersonate a, an alive person uh we haven't seen that happen but again because we don't know any rules we think Good. that's probably true gotcha um so we could be seeing some more little finger oh that would be exciting so yep i would be into that i i would want that because yeah. I just want more of him. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So tell me about this Bran guy and what his power oh, is. Gosh. So Bran was the one who discovered that Cersei and Jamie were boning. Mm -hmm. um, and Jamie pushed him out a window and paralyzed him. Mm. Um, for the rest of the show, he's really just been super useless. Um, but in season five, I think, he became the Three Eyed Raven, which means he knows everything, which is another magic thing. He knows everything past, present, and future, um, which is another thing that that makes this show very difficult to do and very difficult to use Bran. 
because uh, he knows everything. So he is now super monotone and has no emotions and just can tell people things that happen or have happened. So here's my question. If he knows everything. Yes. Does everyone believe him? I guess is the it, it, his knowledge is only useful, right? If people actually right. believe right. it. And the thing is, everybody believes him because he tells people stuff about themselves that no one else knows. Mm. So people believe him. That's interesting. But he hasn't really shared a lot which I feel like you would do if you were him and all of this stuff is going on. He's just kind of doling it out in little doses. Yeah. Okay. So, Is there anyone on this show, this might be a dumb question also, that they can't kill? Like, meaning physically. Like, like Daenerys, she can't burn, but she can still die, right? Like, could you sure. stab her? For sure. Okay. Daenerys can definitely be killed. Okay. So is there anyone that can't be killed? But there is no one that cannot be killed. Okay. Um... But people can be raised from the dead. So okay. there's always that. Is Jon Snow the only person to be raised from the dead, or have there been others? Uh, Jon Snow has been ra- raised from the dead. There's also a another dude who's been raised like six times, um, who when they met, they actually didn't talk about, which I thought that would be a huge point, is like they're the only two people on the show who have come back from the dead, yeah. and they didn't even mention it. So <laughs> that was annoying. Yeah, but, I bet. Yeah, um, but yeah, so he's, but it, again, it takes a red priest okay. to be brought back. Gotcha. So there's um, that. Any other magic? There like... is the White Walkers. Um, so that's more zombie, right? Kind of, but there are, so, well. They're definitely okay, supernatural, they're t- okay. There are, two, there are two things. There are the White Walkers, and then there are what are called Whites. Ooh, um, that's confusing. So the White Walkers are actual magical beings. Okay. Um, whites are zombies. Got it. Who are raised from the dead. Who the whites or the white walkers raised from the dead. Um, and so the white walkers are trapped on the other side of the wall with obviously all of the whites that they've, that they've raised from the dead mm-hmm. over there um, over time for thousands and thousands of years. Um, and they're trapped by the wall, which the wall, I, I, I thought the wall was magical this whole time. Like there was some magical thing about the wall. Apparently it's just a big ice wall hmm. that they can't go over or around. So that's what's trapping them there. Okay. Up until the final episode where a dead dragon brought him down. Brought the wall down. Brought the wall down. Okay. With ice fire. So is this raised from the dead dragon? Is it like a different color now? It's the same color, but its eyes are blue and it shoots blue fire. Oh. Is the is it real fire or is it ice? Ah, it seems like fire, but it also seems like ice. Oh, so okay. no clue. Got it. I want to see it on something that's not a wall because that's the only time we've seen it. But it seems like it's hot and also cold and it doesn't make a lot of sense. But it looked awesome. Okay. <laughs> so as far as I know right now, mm-hmm. Cersei is on the throne. Correct. And Daenerys wants the throne. Correct. correct? Is there And they're like the obvious contenders right now. Yes. Um, is there anybody else? And we know that John might be a contender because he's in line for it. Um, right. We know that like, lots of people could become contenders. Are there other characters that want the throne, but maybe not be saying that they want it? Perhaps at Sansa, this, at, perhaps Jamie, perhaps Tyrion. Yeah. T- tell me about this. At this at this moment, no. Okay. Um. At this moment, all the people who have 
come out and said they want the throne have died. Um, besides, we're down to the, the two. Um, John doesn't want the throne at all. He wants to just be king of the north, not be tied to anybody. In... Is king of the north kind of like what the governor is to the president? Uh, no, it would be like if Texas seceded and was just like, I'm going to be Texas Okay, now. so the north is not a part of Westeros. It is currently, but he wants to leave and just rule his own kingdom and not deal with the Iron Throne and the rest of everybody else. Got it. Okay. Until he fell in love with Daenerys, and now he's just backing Daenerys. Okay. Got it. But that could but change. Every, that, that, that could change. At any moment, anybody could say, I want to be king now. Right. That but right now, happens. Tyrion, right. Sansa, Arya, Jaime, they're not necessarily fighting to be the ruler. They're fighting. Exactly. They're supporting other people. Exactly. Okay. And right now, because of the Whites and the White Walkers, um, we've kind of come to a point where not, like, most people do not care about the Iron Throne at the moment. They're more concerned with the White Walkers getting out and killing everybody. Okay. So eventually we'll come, they'll come back and want to fight about the throne again. But right now it's just about saving humanity. Okay. Um, what has been, what was, like, the most impactful death for you in the past seven seasons? For me, it was, I would say, the the first death um, was Ned Stark's at the beginning um, because just because the show was built around Sh- um, Sean Bean and him being the main character of the show. Mm. And he was the main character of the first season and he dies. And that kind of sets the expectation of the show of, I mean, that's, that's where you get like, nobody is safe. Right. And I think for me that, that just had set, like it's something I'd never seen before um, and I was so shocked by it that it was definitely the most impactful. I think most people's like number two or some people's number one, uh, was the red wedding where then it feels like the, um, the focus shifts toward his son and, you know, revenge for his father kind of a thing. And then when you kill his son and his family there again, you're like, okay, it truly is nobody like literally no one's safe. Right. But um, but I feel like since then, there haven't been that many impactful deaths, though. Um, I feel like for the most part, they've tried to keep it, keep it pretty, pretty open. OK, now, are there any romances that you've been very interested in? Like, who do, who do you ship on this show? Ugh, no one. No one. Everyone's so, everyone's so bad at their romances. So they like ugh. Jamie and Brienne. Yeah, I was just about to mention them. I was going to say, not those, even Brienne and Jamie. Those are the closest that I have. But they haven't, like, they haven't been in the same shot. In a while. In, like, three or four seasons. Mm-hmm. I think it, I think is the biggest problem with a lot of these is there are just so many characters that the people that you want to interact with each other just end up not most of the time. Yeah. Um, another one is Brienne and Tormund. It's hilarious that Brienne is, like, the the biggest shipper, the biggest, not shipper, the the one person being shipped on this show the most is Brienne. Um, but Brienne and Tormont, the uh, wildling. Yeah. Um, people are loving them as well. But yeah, I'm not I'm, into that. I'm, I'm in the Jamie camp for sure. Yeah. Um, OK. Arya has no love interest. Sansa has no love interest. I mean, Sansa did have a love interest before we killed him. Um, no, she most definitely did not. <laughs> um. Okay. All right. Interesting. And you're not really interested in anything with like Daenerys. Ugh, I'm, I'm fine with her and John. I just didn't care about them at all. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Um. Okay. Yeah. I the the romance is one of the things where it's like 
I if there was more romance on this show, I would be watching it one hundred percent. The you, you you could have done good romance on this show. Yeah, I think the writers' room the writers' room has been v- criticized very much for being mostly male in most seasons. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that contributes to it a lot is they like they're focusing a lot more on other things and haven't developed any of the romances very well. Mm-hmm. And I think if you get a more diverse writer's room, you'd get a lot more diverse storytelling and that could that would help a ton. Right. Right. OK. Well, I don't know if I have any other plot questions, Lucas. OK. Um, I would. It's a lot. Say that. It's so much. Yeah. <laughs> the, one of the re- ways I've kept up with different characters and um, different plot lines is through, mm-hmm. and I've mentioned it on the podcast before, but I feel like I should say it again. The yep. recap show that Funny or Die produces called Gay of Thrones. It's very funny. Yeah, it's so funny. Um, I recommend people watching that, whether you watch the show Game of Thrones or not. Um, I think the jokes in Gay of Thrones work on their own. Absolutely. They absolutely do. Which... I think makes people want to watch the show even more. It, it's, so, that's it's worked go. for me. So here's my it's final. It's actually produced by HBO so that they get more audience. Oh, so, okay. You know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so here's my question for you. Final question. Okay. Yep. What, how do you think? Okay. Two part question, I guess I should say. Okay. Two part. Um, all right. How do you think I am at keeping up with all the, like how much, how Thoroughly, do you think I understand the show having not watched it? I think you're doing great. Okay. There's lots of, like, all the parts that I love are, like, the weird, like, nuanced parts that don't, that really have nothing to do with the plot. Mm-hmm. So I would say, like, you're missing those. Like, you're missing the great parts, like, the great conversations mm. and the history and backstory and stuff like okay. that. But none of that actually matters to the show. Right. It's just, I think, the stuff that's done the best. Okay. So there hasn't been a premiere date set for the final season, correct? No, there has not. Okay. Um, but it is the the they've said probably not next summer, probably the summer after. Right. They might take a take a year off. I'm considering. So I have three different options ahead of me. Mm-hmm. I could continue to not watch the show and yep. go about my way as I have been. All right. Correct. I could start watching the final season when it airs and just start right there. Wow. Okay. Yep. Knowing what I know, having conversations with you, keeping, you know, asking people questions, reading Wikipedia stuff to, like, catch mm-hmm. myself up and understand everything. Yeah. Or I could try to start this show. Um, like, Oh, my gosh. In the off season. In the two years or so that we might have <laughs> yeah. before the final yeah. season. Which seven seasons in two years is easy to do. Oh, for sure. Especially 10, 10 episode seasons. Right. This isn't like some network 22 right. thing that you got to yeah. go through. I, yeah. So do you I have an opinion? Could, on what? I, I would watch the whole thing because I think it's worth it. Okay. I love Game of Thrones. I think there's so much nuance and goodness to this show that it would be worth it to catch up for the final season. Mm-hmm. But it is a commitment. Right. <laughs> and honestly, you've done a great job keeping up without it yeah. so far. I'm just... I'm very hesitant about the violence and the rape. That has always been my yes. major thing holding yes. me back from this show. And I think I think that's that's a big thing that holds a lot of people back from the show. It is very violent, and the rapey stuff is really not good. It's really not good. Yeah. Um, and I think that is that is for sure the hardest part for me. 
So I... If someone could, like, edit a version of Game of Thrones for me where they cut out all the violence and rape and then just put, like, a, like a title card that just says, like... Aria gouges a person's eyes out, you know? I'd be like, cool, I got it. I'm still following. That would be hilarious. I'm sure, actually, I don't know. I wonder if someone has like a, uh, um, like a, like a, uh, what is it? Like a TV 13. What's the TV rating system? There's TVMA, which is what Game of Thrones is. And then whatever's under that. But uh, I don't want a lower rated version because I still want all the sex. Ugh. Gosh, Sandra. Yeah. <laughs> You're so needy. I know. <laughs> I know. I never said I wasn't. Um, <laughs> anyway, but that would be really handy if that existed. Yeah. I, I doubt that it does. But um, So keep in all the sex scenes, but not the rape scenes. Right. And take out all the violence. Right. And you're in on Game of Thrones. Yeah. Okay. No. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I can handle some violence. You know, right, right, right. Not, but I'm there, not there like is, a child. There is, but there is some disgusting it's just, violence it's just in Game more, of It's Thrones. not even so much. Like, it's excessive. It, to me, it's just like if it's violent constantly, that's what's yeah. hard. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's not mm-hmm. even like how violent it is. Like I can handle one gory scene, but if it's just like multiple gory scenes per episode, it just yeah. starts to tax on yeah. you. I would say at least one guy gets his throat slit, like every other episode. Yeah. In the early, like, and then there's the wars and battles and stuff like that. Right. Like, I can handle a battle scene. That is, like, that's not as intense. Because you can just close your eyes, you know? <laughs> I guess you can do that, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'll consider it. I'll let you know, Lucas, what I decide okay. on. I'll let I would everyone on the podcast love know. love to know your final decision. Right. I'll be thinking about it. Well, good. Okay. Good, good. So, for those of you who are interested in <laughs> hearing... How Sandra thinks about Game of Thrones. I hope this was useful for you. You know what, Lucas? Um, what I might do if I decide to start watching it from the very beginning, yeah. I might create a new Twitter account just for live tweeting. That's a good idea. And start I at the very beginning. Yeah. Sandra watches Game of Thrones. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see. Oh, man. We're, we're thinking about it. That would be great. It. Well, I think that about wraps it up for us. Definitely, definitely leave us a review if you hated this episode. <laughs> also leave us a review if you loved this episode. Um, you can also reach out to us on Twitter at feelingitpod. Um, and leave us an email at, nope, leave us an email, yep, at, G, nope, at feelingitpod at gmail. I, the at word gets me. Right. If you leave us an, yeah, leave, just figure it out. Also, you we're can, bad at checking it. the email, so get, a, get to us <sighs> on Twitter. Wh- <laughs> Get to us on Twitter or write us a review. Write us a review. Always do that. I'm. You can find me on Instagram. Actually, what is today? I'm gonna get back on Twitter in September, so I got a couple more days. Um, find me on Twitter at Lucas and stuff. I'll be tweeting stuff now again. I have a whole list of things that I haven't tweeted that I'm gonna tweet. Oh, so great. it's gonna be great. Um, <laughs> you can find me on all social platforms at Sandra Amstutz. My last name is spelled A M S T U T Z. And when you do. I don't know why I said that. Let me know about the yeah. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> and that is the end from us. Well, Goodbye. Bye-bye. Thank you. Goodbye, now. Goodbye. Go away. I'll see you soon, okay? That's it? Go home? Yep. Yeah. Moving along, Padre. Goodbye, old friend. That's it. That's our show for tonight, people. 